It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And new customers can bet $5 and win $150 in bonus bets if your team wins on a pregame money line bet. Download the app and use the pro. Promo code VSIN, that's V-S-I-N, when you sign up. Available to play in select states. Must be 21. Eligible restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. But see DraftKings.com for full details. Stormy Tony and Sean King live from Circa Resort and Casino in for the guys. Mitch and Polly getting some well-deserved vacation time after the Super Bowl. And hopefully our next guest gets a little time off as well after all the hard work that he did this football season. Sal Palantonio, ESPN NFL reporter, covers the Eagles intimately out there in Philly. Welcome in, Sal. And this is our first time getting to talk to you from Super Bowl Sunday. We heard so much about this vaunted Eagles defense, and then they get give up 38 points in the biggest game of the year. What happened? Well, it was the best Eagles team of all time suffered the worst Eagles defeat of all time. That's the sentence period paragraph. And it has to do with uh, a lot of different things, but let's start with number one. I thought Andrew Wiley did a very good job of eliminated Hassan Reddick. And then I thought that the Eagles defensive staff did not do a good job of adjusting to give Hassan Reddick uh, better lanes to the quarterback, uh, get more creative in their fronts, in their stunts, in their blitzes. Uh, Whatever it it took, they should have done a better job of getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Not sacked, did not force a turnover, couldn't get Mahomes off off the field in the second half. Mahomes and the Chiefs offense had 15 first downs in the second half. That's just a total defensive collapse. Uh, Going into that game, teams with a double-digit lead at halftime in the Super Bowl were 26-1. Only the Falcons 
losing to the Patriots after being up 28-3 to were the only team to give up a double-digit lead at halftime. That record is now 26-2. and So the Eagles have joined the Falcons in a very infamous neighborhood. Uh, here's what's interesting, Sal, and I don't feel like this is an overreaction. Did the Eagles miss their shot? And, and here's what I mean by that. When you draft the right quarterback and he's on that rookie deal, it allows you to go out midseason and have the cap space to add an Indomitian Sue and Linval Joseph and in free agency bring in a Hassan Reddick and a Bradbury. But now that they have to pay Jalen Hurts and they've lost both coordinators and they've got a laundry list of guys who are free agents who are going to seek you know, bigger contracts, did they miss their window? Is this run just starting and just ending in the same season? Sean, you know, I respect you quite a bit, and uh, I like talking to you because you get the big picture and you understand the money. And, of course, this show is called Follow the Money. <laughs> so I like being on this show because I think whenever you're looking at NFL teams, you got to look at who's getting paid and who's not getting paid and why. I think that's a very important dynamic. And you're absolutely correct. The answer to your question is yes. Because they have to now pay Jalen Hurts. He was on a rookie deal that allowed them to have flexibility and go out and pay for guys that they needed. You just named all of them. It allowed them to have the money to pay these dudes. And now they've got to pay Jalen Hurts a lot of money. I mean, they could wait a year, but it's not the right thing to do. Uh, The right thing to do is to pay the young man. He's the CEO of the team. He's the one that sets the tone. And he had a magnificent Super Bowl. Yes, he had a strip sack, scoop score, uh, and that was bad. And because they had the ball with the lead 14-7, to if they had scored one more time, I don't think the the Chiefs would have come back. But they did, and that contributed it. But when Mahomes had the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter, he drove the team down the field to tie the score and the defense couldn't make a stop. So they got to pay Mahomes. There's no question. They should make him a very, very rich young man. When it comes to Jalen Hurts and, and his performance in the Super Bowl, you have to think if there was ever uh, an instance where the player on a losing team could win MVP, like that was a moment where it was possible only one time in NFL Super Bowl history as it happened, but it goes to show that don't bet on an MVP if you don't think that he's going to win the win the game. But Jalen Hurts was dynamic. He was incredible in the game. He ended up finishing second in the MVP vote, voting for the season. And now he has earned this payday, as you guys talk about. What do you think the, the rate is going to be for a guy like Jalen Hurts coming out of this? Open up the checkbook and pay him. I think he's got to get five years, 250. And I think they should guarantee the whole thing. I agree. I think it was sent a message. Uh, and, and listen, I think Howard Roseman's done a tremendous job building that roster. But, you know, as we said, you know, it's easier to do that when the quarterback doesn't take up uh, a significant piece of the cap. Uh, some of the losses, and, and I don't know if you've seen Steichen's uh, press conference. I was not uh, enamored with it, uh, but I don't know him personally. In, in your opinion, what kind of success or who has more success, Gannon or Steichen, as both coordinators are now head coaches for the Colts and Cardinals, respectively? Well, let's look at both of them uh, individually. So the Colts obviously wanted somebody in there to fix their offense and their, their whole quarterback situation is FUBAR. So they had to fix it. 
So, um, you know, Steichen and Hertz, when Steichen has called the play, Sean, and Hertz is the starting quarterback, they only lost two games in the last two years, two, mm. before the Super Bowl. So, so they were really simpatico in a lot of ways. But I have a lot of respect for Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach. He's an up-and-cover. I hope they make him offensive coordinator. Now, he hasn't called plays at the NFL level, uh, and that is a very difficult task, especially when you're developing your first offense. But I think he's up to the task. Uh, the question is whether Sirianni will go back to play calling or they will do it together or they will rely more on the analytics, but it's going to be definitely one of those things where they're going to have to figure out who's got what role and Hertz and Johnson are close. And I think that they won't miss much of a beat after a while, but I think they'll definitely take some adjusting as for Gannon. If you look at Sean, you know the game really well. Look at the defensive roster. They don't have a roster that plays cover. They have a roster that plays zone right. uh, for the most part. So now you can, you really can't change your defensive philosophy with Gannon Khan that much unless you're going to ask players to do something. The reason why Bradbury is not in New York is because Wink Martindale wanted, wanted a lockdown corner, wanted somebody who could um, be – less of a zone player and Bradbury's more of a zone player. When he was caught in one-on-one man coverage, what happened in the fourth quarter? He was, he was called for holding. So um, that's not his forte, but it's, you know, the question is who are they going to bring in and, and how is that defensive coordinator going to adapt to the personnel that they have, or are they going to change the personnel? My guess is they're going to have to have, somebody who adapts their philosophy to the personnel that are already there. As for Gannon in Arizona, I don't know. I guess what they're thinking is they got to find a way to stop the 49ers. Hmm. Uh, and maybe, maybe Gannon can do that, but he did it in the NFC championship game. I mean, obviously it was Brock Purdy was out, but um, I, I think that's their thought. Maybe I don't understand it. I mean, Frankly, Sean, I just don't understand how uh, so quickly they were hired after losing the Super Bowl. It kind of shocks me when other coordinators are out there, you know, and other guys, Deuce Daly's out there. Eric Enemy is out there. There's a lot of guys that have been waiting and didn't get jobs, and I'm surprised by it, frankly. And I would love to follow up on that because you do have Gannon and Steichen coming out of the Super Bowl on the losing end. And on the other side of the field, you have Eric Bieniemy, who has won five, who has been in five AFC championships, who has won a pair of Super Bowls with Kansas City and still has not had the opportunity to get a head coaching job. Can you put your finger on why? I, I can't. It's very perplexing. I know Eric very well. And I'm shocked that he didn't get it. I, I, I am. I just don't know. And I've seen him present, so I know that he's excellent as a presenter. Sal Palantonio, senior and, NFL and, and, and also, Sean, Deuce, let's not forget about Deuce now. Oh, he's yeah, Bailey's absolutely. He's a heck of a coach. Yeah. Well, he just said, was Casey in Carolina with Frank Wright? Did I see that? Mm-hmm. I, I believe so. Okay. Yep. Quick, we only got about a minute and a half left. I'm going to give you a name or quarterback. You tell me where they are week one next year. Geno Smith. Ha, <laughs> Seattle. Aaron Rodgers. Listen, here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers. I know we have only a minute left, but 
If I'm Aaron Rodgers, look at the NFC right now. Absolutely. Look at the NFC, Sean. <laughs> Sean, look at the NFC. Now, then look at the AFC. Why know. would you want to jump ship the conference? The NFC is wide open, it Sean. Is. Wide it open. It is. So you saying he stays in Green Bay? Maybe the dark room enlightens him. Uh, we'll see. He'll be back, I think, uh, by the weekend. <laughs> Derek Carr, Sal. Hey, hey, the, hey the, the grass is always greener, right? But I mean, stay where you're at, man. I mean, come on. Green Bay's a great town to play football in. You know that. Derek Carr, if I'm the Jets, I mean, I just park the jet. I park Woody Johnson's jet, say, hey, get on. Here's a checkbook. You know, sign here. Robert Sala's got a top five defense. I believe the Jets are one quarterback away from winning the division. Right. One quarterback away from ten, winning the division. Ten, ten seconds, Sal. Last one. Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't know. Mm. Nobody knows. Thank Nobody you, Sal. Wants Jimmy. Thanks, Sal. Great stuff. Okay, see you. That's Sal Palantonio, ESPN NFL reporter. Great insight. Maybe Jimmy will just Eagles. be a model and go work for GQ or something. Think he ends up here? I don't know. Possible. Very possible. Reunited with Josh McDaniels. Reunited and it feels so good. (laughs) I'm Hannah Storm and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. If you're looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college hoops, don't worry. The VEASAN experts have you covered. You can become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with our introductory offer of just $9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to the daily recap of top plays made from show hosts and guests, tools like betting splits, deep dive betting reports, plus VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games of the year. We have bracket breakdowns, top picks, and daily props. Don't miss out. This is a limited time offer. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Again, just $9.99. That's VSI. N.com slash subscribe stormy bonantoni and sean king filling in for the guys on follow the money live from circus sportsbook time to get into some hoops talk as we welcome in your own weitzman fox sports nba writer get into the association first off just how impressed were you last night with the celtics performance against the milwaukee bucks didn't have any of their starters and forced overtime in this one looked like they should have won it um, yeah, should I do a scale one to 10? Oh, very impressed. How's that? Very impressed. Um, the Celtics are really good. How's that for a, uh, yeah, I like it. That you can be on for now. <laughs> um, no, they're, they're excellent. They're really good. Um, one of the things that will be interesting, I guess, and you know, the, uh, I guess hidden benefits, um, when you have some of your big guys go down is that you can kind of thrust some other guys into roles and maybe see what you have for the playoffs. Derek White is somebody so did I? I felt. Did I see the report? Did he stay back because he can't hear out of his ear? Did I see that or something? Something weird with that. Um, but he's been great. He's been really good. Um, and I think we're going to see them trust him a little bit in the playoffs. Um, Sam Hauser's good. Muscala. The new addition has been, you know, a big difference. It can make a difference as a backup off the bench. Um, I think Boston, you know, clearly is a good team to beat, you know, in the Eastern Conference to me. You know, so much has been made about Durant to Phoenix and Kyrie to Dallas, and justifiably so. But you wrote a book, Tanking to the Top, the Philadelphia 76ers in the most audacious process in the history of professional sports. So now they tank. They have MB, they have Harden, they have Maxi. Is this ever going to manifest itself in at least <laughs> an Eastern Conference championship? Like the tanking kind of work, but it kind of hasn't. Why is nobody talking about Philly? Yeah, so Phil. I mean, <laughs> I'm with you, right? So, and I, I do think with the uh, the way the the Durant trade and the Kyrie trade and the Nets kind of tearing it down, I think there's, and I like Cleveland a lot, but I think there's a clear line of demarcation with the top three in the East. Um, and this is a big year for Philly, and that's one where you're right, right? Like at a certain point, you have to win, and this is this is everything they've wanted, right? They have a B who's playing great. They got him a second star, which I know Harden. We can, you know, pick on him on a few things, and maybe he's not the same guy he used to be, but he's had an excellent year. I think he's leading the league in assists. He's been really good. The B Harden pick and roll is really good. 
Um, this is the year, like you said, Masti, uh, DeAnthony Melton's been an excellent addition. This is the year for them to get out of the second round. It's something they haven't done since Allen Iverson took them to the finals in uh, 2001. Um, and, yeah, why no one's talking about them? I think uh, people don't believe it until they see it, and we've all seen Philly have their uh, playoff struggles. I, To me, Boston and Milwaukee are better than them and, you know, the favorites to come out. But I would not be shocked if Philly – uh, one came out represented the East in the finals. I think they're that good. Sean mentioned uh, a number of the, obviously like the big trades that came about around deadline time. Is there a team that had maybe the most underrated trade in your opinion? Uh, underrated trade. Um, how about Kevin Durant to Phoenix? No, uh, <laughs> the, uh, there's a few, I mean, I actually liked Mike Minnesota. I liked what they did with Mike getting, uh, basically swapping out the Angela Russell for Mike Conley. Um, I don't think Russell was exactly beloved there by the coaching staff. And, you know, Russell might be a better offensive player than Conley. Um, but that's not what they need. With Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, like, they don't need a dynamic player. They need somebody who can kind of know his role, be the adult in the room and on the court, get guys organized and knock down shots, try on defense, which is not exactly DeAndre Russell's uh, strong suit. So I think I, I like what Minnesota did, and I think that could help stabilize them a little bit. Um I mean, the Clippers, I don't, it's not underrated. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm curious to see what this looks like. They needed a point guard, and they got Bones Highland as a backup. Um, I, and they thought they got Eric Gordon to Luke Kennard. I'm really curious about that. I guess the other one I'll say, we mentioned Luke Kennard. Memphis, a team that's really good and the struggles in the half court sometimes, and maybe a guy like Luke Kennard who's a knockdown three-point shooter, but also has enough uh, off-the-bounce game where you can run secondary stuff through him. You can't just you can't just run him off the three-point line. He's a tough half-court guard. Um, somebody like that is, you know, maybe somebody who can help you win one or two playoff games. And when you're that good, that's the margin of error that we're talking about. Yeah, I am curious about um, the, the Clippers who you mentioned a moment ago as well. I, uh, I'm i a San Diego State Aztec, so wherever Kawhi Leonard goes, I follow. And it has been tough these last couple of seasons, obviously, because he hasn't been out there on the court. So now it's just a matter of will he be available consistently down the stretch to make the Clippers competitive in the postseason. I want to go back to the Nets, though, because they move mm-hmm. on from Kyrie and KD in full rebuild mode, gathering up all the picks that they possibly can. They still have Ben Simmons out there on the roster. Uh, in terms of like his trade value this summer, like what even is that at this point? Uh, it's uh, trade value. It's uh, it, there's no value. It's a uh, it's negative, right? Like yeah. you would have to like there's no value there. You have to. Uh, a t- bag slash attach stuff to get rid of him. Um, you know, I, I'm laughing. We can make fun of it. It's, it's actually it's really sad, right? Like you, know, you mentioned, I, I've covered the Sixers for a while and I wrote about them, and just it's sort of a. I don't even. I don't know if we've ever seen something like this, where a guy without a major injury who was an All NBA player just seems like he forgot how to play basketball. It's really crazy, right? Like we've seen stuff different. Like Markel Fultz is almost a cop, but. That happened right away. He wasn't even – he never even became an All-NBA player. And the idea that now Markel Fultz, if you had told us four years ago that, you know, 2023 Markel Fultz would be a more productive NBA player than um, Ben Simmons, I think people would have said that's crazy. Um, to asking his value, I mean, there, there's no value. The question, he's going to have to decide whether he wants to address whatever's going on with him. Um, if he wants to be a basketball player, like there, there are big-picture questions there that need to be addressed. Give me a team, East or Western, that I mean, people aren't talking about right now. They're kind of meandering along. Like, for me, that team is Golden State. I feel like this is where they were this time last year. People forgot about them. 
Klay Thompson does look like he's finally all the way back from a health standpoint and confidence standpoint. Is Golden State the only team that seems to be kind of around that 500, maybe a game or two below that you think can really make some noise in the playoffs? I mean, yeah, because the, the Golden State thing, I think I saw Draymond had a quote last night being like, okay, it's like we're, we have 20-whatever games left. Um, we have a mediocre record, mediocre stats, like it's time. And I agree because it's really confusing because some of their numbers, like if you look at their numbers of their uh, starting lineup and their core guys, those numbers, those plus minus numbers are really good. And yet again, you look, they're just basically an average offense, average defense and 500. And yet, you know, I, well, obviously with Steph, they need, let's assume Steph comes back. If he doesn't come back or come back to full health, they have no shot. Right. But like when Steph is on the court with them, um, that's a team that I, I'm with you. Like, I still find them scary. And if I was another Western Conference team, I wouldn't want to play them. And, like, I don't know if I'd want to bet, you know, if they're playing, let's say, Denver, Denver 1-8. Who am I picking in a series? I guess Denver. But, like, I'd be scared to pick against or bet against uh, Golden State in a playoff series. And, yet two years ago, we saw them losing the play-in, right? So, it's just, I, I don't know what to make of them. It's a little weird. And I don't can't tell if it's one of these teams where, like, they're going to flip the switch, the proverbial switch, as you say, you know, and in the playoffs kind of turn it on, or they're going to get losing the play in and we're going to still be being like, Oh, I can't wait for golden state to turn things around. Right. Where at a certain point you are when you are. Um, so that's one. Yeah. I mean, you don't, so to answer your question, like, I don't think you have another team that's a 500 team that uh, is scary. I mean, the other one is Miami's a weird one. They're above 500. They're sixth in the East. Um, they have a top five defense. Their offense has been horrendous this year. But that's another team that um, I think if you're facing the playoffs, like we, we have enough of a sample here where we've seen them and specifically Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, like they just turn into a different team. Uh, so that'd be another one that would probably scare me in terms of if I, if I was playing one of these lower seeds. Jerome, we've only got about a minute left here, but 10 games on the slate coming up tonight in the association. Any that you'll be per- paying particularly close attention to? Uh, let's try to open up. I mean, Dallas and Denver is interesting, right? Just to see what the Kyrie Luca. Uh, partnership, how that continues to sort of build. Um, you know, Cleveland Philly is a good one. That's a good game in terms of standings. And we, I mentioned the top three there. And if you're Philly, you kind of want to stay out of the um, that four. You, it's, it's for all these teams. It's going to be important now. You've got the, the line of three, basically. Like you don't want to fall into the fourth seed and have to play Boston and or Milwaukee in the second round, right? So it kind of makes it's important to get out of that fourth spot and go to number three. So those would be the two for me, I guess. Yeah, I need to see how. How Kyrie and Luca are going to figure out who gets the ball in the last second because this hot potato thing we saw on Monday night isn't going to work. <laughs> I would agree. Though I, I, I'm a devil's advocate. Like, there was something, I guess, if you want to go glass half full. Like, okay, I guess they're, they're really trying to work with each other. I guess yeah. you take that as opposed to hogging. So. Yeah, absolutely. Your own awesome stuff. Appreciate the time, my friend. Great stuff. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's your own Weitzman, Fox Sports NBA writer, and as – uh, Sean, my friend, mentioned tanking to the top. The Philadelphia 76ers in the most audacious process in the history of professional sports book available out there. Great stuff from him. I'm very, I am very curious about what's going to happen after the All-Star break in the NBA if there is a team that's going to take off. I'm all on Golden State. I'm riding with the I Warriors. Know you Let's are. go, man. We'll see. Still to come here this last half hour of Follow the Money. Matt Lombardo, Heavy.com senior NFL writer going to get into some more of these NFL storylines in the offseason. This is Follow the Money on VSEN.
With football season in the rear view, remember everybody, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for basketball and hockey. Bet Rivers has you covered for every line, odd, and boost. You can join them each week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay Bet and Get, Weekly Pro Basketball Bet and Get, and more. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. It's a whole new game. And again, just because the football season has come to an end, doesn't mean it's out of our minds or out of our mouths because we have been talking about it all morning and we will continue to do so throughout the course of the offseason with the coaching situation finally cemented. All five open jobs have been filled and now the quarterback carousel will begin to help us talk it all over. We bring in Matt Lombardo, heavy.com, senior NFL reporter at Matt Lombardo NFL. Welcome in. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yes, appreciate you doing this with us. And, you know, the news of the day yesterday, last night, officially official that Derek Carr did get released from the Las Vegas Raiders. They were not making sure that that guaranteed 40.4 mil (laughs) came through for Carr. Carr similarly did not want to accept a trade anywhere else, and you can't blame him. You don't want to take away draft capital from the place you're going or help the Raiders out in any way, shape, or form. So that said, where now do you think is the best landing spot for Derek Carr? Hey, guys, I think there's almost a handful of, of really close teams to being able to compete that make a lot of sense here. And, you know, after the news became official yesterday, I just asked around a handful of scouts and executives around the NFL and four teams really came to mind. I think the top of mind is the New York Jets. I think there's a lot of speculation that the Jets are all in on going after Aaron Rodgers, and I've heard that from multiple places, so that's absolutely true. But if that doesn't come to fruition, I had a scouting director in the AFC tell me that the Jets offer the personnel that gives him the best chance to win immediately. So I'd watch out for the Jets here, and the Saints still make a little bit of sense. I think it's a little bit different, as you pointed out, not taking away draft capital, not helping the team that began a very messy divorce with you, but still winding up there on your own volition. So I think the Saints make some sense. The Buccaneers have a lot of talent in place. And I think that the Falcons, uh, one year after looking at what Marcus Mariota was able to do, when you have an offense with Drake London and Kyle Pitts and you can build an offensive line through the draft, the Falcons can make some sense there as well. So I think that when you look at possible landing spots, guys, the Jets, Buccaneers, Saints, and Falcons kind of jump top of mind for me and uh, to people inside the league as well. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, Derek Carr is at the top of a lot of conversations, but it's a very interesting free agent group because Jimmy Garoppolo's there. Uh, Baker Mayfield is there. If I'm not mistaken, I think Gartner Minshew is – I think on the last year of his deal, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, guys like Geno Smith, Lamar Jackson are in kind of limbo as far as what their current team is going to do. Uh, Where does a Jimmy Garoppolo end up or does he have to wait on Derek Carr? Yeah, I think that Derek Carr and and quite frankly, Aaron Rodgers are the first two dominoes. We kind of have to wait for. Uh, Derek Carr, for, for Aaron Rodgers to emerge in solitary confinement to <laughs> figure out where the rest of the, the dominoes are going to start falling here. But I think Garoppolo makes a lot of sense for a, a lot of teams, probably the same teams that we mentioned. I would also throw in a team like the Indianapolis Colts. I know they picked fourth in the draft, and they just brought in Shane Steichen as head coach, so they might be eyeing a, a Bryce Young type of rookie quarterback um, to come in there. C.J. Stroud makes some sense as well, based on what Steichen was able to do with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. But the Colts seem to habitually be in this pattern of thinking that they're a quarterback away 
You saw what they did with Carson Wentz. You saw what they did with Matt Ryan. I, I don't know that Chris Ballard isn't going to make the same mistake and make a move for Jimmy Garoppolo in Indianapolis and think that they can make a run in the AFC South. So I think the Colts make some sense there. I think the Jets still make a little bit of sense there. And quite frankly, guys, is it really out of the question that he stays in San Francisco? They did it last year. Maybe they'll try to do it again. You know, the quarterbacks dominate so much of the headlines, and we should. I mean, we're good looking. We're generally the most talented players, <laughs> you know, on the roster. I, I know you can agree with that, And Matt. so humble as well. Um, but somebody's going to be an impact player that's not a quarterback. Guys like Deron Payne, Javon Hargrave, Jesse Bates. Like, there are some top-shelf position guys that are going to hit this free agent market who do you think has the biggest impact that's going to be available? Yeah, you know, the name that you didn't mention, honestly, I think Patrick Peterson still can play a little bit. I mean, you look at the cornerback numbers across the league, he had the third highest rated coverage grade for pro football focus. I think cornerback is still a really premium position. And I think that's a position where you look at the arms race at wide receiver, especially on the AFC side of the bracket. Teams are going to have to counter that. I wouldn't rule out a team like the Chiefs making a play there based on the talent in Los Angeles and knowing that they still have to go through the Bengals to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, and, and I think a name on the offensive side of the ball is Dalton Schultz because I think the teams look at the way Travis Kelsey is used, the way Dallas Goddard is used. These are essentially in-line wide receivers, and Schultz is a guy who's still really productive in the red zone, can still break open, still pretty good after the catch. And I could see Dalton Schultz uh, being a hot commodity on the offensive side of the ball as well. Don't hate me for going back to quarterbacks, but um, one that we haven't really talked about much today is the Lamar Jackson situation in Baltimore. We find out that um, they have hired Todd Munkin from Georgia to be the Ravens' new offensive coordinator. How much does that hire impact Lamar Jackson and what happens with him this offseason? Yeah, I'm not so, so sure how much the offensive coordinator hire impacts a lot of things, but I, I do know for a fact that it did not sit well with teammates and people in that locker room when Lamar didn't travel for the Ravens playoff game. And I think that there are starting to be uh, some whispers in that room about questioning just how committed he is to the organization with everything that's going on with his contract. And listen, guys, the Ravens, they have all the leverage here. They can franchise tag him for two years. We all know that he turned down – uh, significant guaranteed money last year looking for the pipe dream of the Deshaun Watson contract that's never going to come as long as he's in Baltimore and as long as they have the, the hammer of the franchise tag to use on him. Uh, so I think this is one of these stare-downs that could once again bleed into training camp. But at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson is going to be the Ravens quarterback or he's going to sit out. I think that's just the only way that that's going to play out this year. And maybe in a year or two, it might be a different situation where the Ravens will extend him. Uh, but, but I just don't see, I don't see a long-term deal coming now. And I don't know that Lamar is doing himself any favors not having an agent to help him navigate this process. And that's exactly what I was going to ask you because we saw Lamar Jackson coming out of college bet on himself and, and not have an agent and say that he was supposed to be a quarterback and he proved that that was the right move in the NFL, won an MVP out of it. Now, though, at this stage in the game, how much is he hurting himself not having representation and going down this line? I mean, he dealt with injuries again this year now, and you're not able to prove your worth to the extent of the contract that we know he wants. You know, I think it just comes out that he's going to have to produce in the playoffs. That, that's when quarterbacks make their money, right? And we, we so far haven't really seen Lamar rise to the moment, rise to the occasion in the postseason season. 
the way that you saw Jalen Hurts this year, the way that Patrick Mahomes seems to every year, the way Joe Burrow does every single year. I, I really think that for the Ravens to, to open up the checkbook and really commit long-term guaranteed money to Lamar, they're going to have to win a couple of playoff games. They're going to have to make a Super Bowl run. And, and the problem comes in when you pay a quarterback on the franchise tag, you're paying him, what, 28 to $30 million for one year. That's a significant portion of your salary cap, which makes it really difficult to keep building around them. You saw the stat that, you know, Patrick Mahomes at his, what, 15% of the Chiefs cap is the highest salary cap percentage quarterback to win a Super Bowl. So it gets a lot harder for the Ravens to build around Lamar at this point. And in turn, it gets a little bit tougher for Lamar to do what he probably needs to do to earn that long-term deal. Yeah, I think the blame is all on the Ravens in this situation, Matt. I mean, they have not surrounded Lamar with elite talent on offense, yet he's still produced, has won an MVP. Uh, No matter what we think, the price of the brick is the price of the brick. Like, the market is the market. Whether we agree with what the Browns gave Deshaun Watson, that kind of set the market. They ruined it for everybody. So, I mean, I I don't blame Lamar for, for wanting to get every penny owed to him, you know, I just, I, I, it's hard for me to push back against him. I would always advocate having an agent, but simply because I think the process of negotiations creates some hard truths that maybe the athlete doesn't need to be exposed to because I think once you hear certain things, it's hard then to go in the building and look at those people knowing that that's what they thought about you. So I think you need to remove yourself from that process. But as far as the price points, man, if I'm Lamar, I'm not showing up to anything. If I got to sit out two years, so be it. We're going to play duck, duck, goose. But, I mean, he's a NFL MVP still in his prime. No, Sean, I, I don't disagree with part of that. I also think that the other benefit of having an agent is that he can be he or she, the agent can back channel on your behalf through the media and back channels to the organization and kind of negotiate publicly um, to kind of spur on some action in these sort of conversations. And, and well, let's be frank about this. Look, Lamar Jackson in the eye when he was offered something like 35 or was it $50 million per year guaranteed last summer. So, hey, the, the, the deal wasn't going to get better than this. Deshaun Watson was an outlier. The Cleveland was desperate. The Ravens never will be that desperate. we got to take what we can get here. That's why I think Lamar can really use an agent. Matt, we're up against it, but really, really appreciate the time. That's Matt Lombardo um, doing great things covering the NFL for Heavy.com. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things play out with Lamar this offseason and beyond. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The guy has an algorithm to determine the winner of any given college basketball game. Someone gives you 10,000 to 1 on anything. You take it. Take it. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. Nope. Five to one. Nope. Ten to one. You're right. All right. So uh, yesterday, a little hit and miss for your girl. Hockey came through. College hoops did not. So I had Kansas State on the money line. When the money started coming in on Oklahoma, I knew knew things weren't going to go my way. And a 14 point margin of defeat for Kansas State in this one tied for their worst loss of the season so of course that's what happened Oklahoma is terrible at basketball people the regression though that I talked about I was a little bit worried about with Kansas State I thought they were going to snap out of obviously they did not Uh, so Oklahoma two and eight now on the season against ranked opponents one of them against the Wildcats which I did not need thank goodness at least The Bruins came through, and that was a heavier play for me because I care more about hockey at this point than I have at college basketball, but um, took overtime to get there as well for Boston, but another win that we can add to the tank for the Bruins, who are on pace for 61 wins and 131 points. Both would be one point shy of the record um, all time there, but... um, for a single season. Love the Bruins still. And the Celtics, even though they lost last night, showed me a lot about their depth that it gave me that much more confidence in my my Beantown title parlay 
hopefully coming through at the end of the season. Absolutely. And uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, at RealSeanKing, I'm still adjusting to this early morning follow the money. I'm used to having a lot more time to put my plays in. So yesterday I did ultimately have a good day, Stormy. I had Bruins. I had Bruins yeah. under. I had Blackhawks under. I had over in the Panthers game. Uh, but the plays that I gave out on the show, again, college basketball let me down. But Puckstradamus had Penguins in regulation. Never in doubt. Not really sure what's going on with the Lobos. Wyoming went in there with seven scholarship players, and they cooked them. I mean, start to finish. The good thing was I didn't have to watch the whole game because it was not close at all. Looks like the wrong team was favored. But uh, if you want to follow me, I will tweet out my plays for today. Still waiting on some confirmations on who's in goal in hockey and who's actually going to participate. You know, the NBA, we never know, right? What the stars play, what half of the games. I get it. So uh, I'll have some plays for you later. So again, follow me on Twitter, at RealSeanKing, and I will, I will tweet out whatever action I decide to back tonight. Yeah. Good stuff. I, I do have one play that I am contemplating, at least as of this morning, the Ducks and Sabres are going head-to-head, total six and a half, so it's high, but I do think that could be an over game. I have to dig into the numbers a little bit more, but um, the Sabres, we know, have the potential to have an elite offense and their defense as leaky as can be. Ducks have one of the worst defenses in the NHL as well, so I could see um, being a situation where poised for some goals. The Ducks went on a good run there for a second where they were 5-1-1. That has since fallen apart torched in back-to-back games allowing 13 goals so maybe the sabers can continue to pile on that one we shall see in pocket presented by bet rivers your hometown sports book check out their daily specials posted afternoon eastern at betrivers.com uh again these any of these official picks that we do on a daily basis vcent show hosts any of our guests that we have on josh applebaum gave out three plays in college basketball earlier today and one in hockey all of them available vcent.com um, on the picks page and if you're a subscriber to the daily email the Bill AD sends out each day. You get all of that information. So you want to watch Shane Steichen cry again? Yeah, this was sad. Uh, this was sad. I just, I, I hope it works, uh, Mr. Ursay. <laughs> I mean, you're obviously a brilliant man because you did well enough where you can afford, you know, and qualify for an NFL team. So it, it, there is a lot of intelligence. I don't know that it was utilized properly with this hire, but we'll see, I guess, right? Let's roll back a little bit of the tears for for Sean one last time. Watch how head coachish this looks. (laughs) Thank you to the players I've had the privilege to be around and coach. Thank you to Phillip Rivers. I can't say enough about how much you've had impact on me as a coach. So many great memories together and couldn't be more thankful for our friendship. Thank you to Antonio Gates, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, and most recently, thank you to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Zach Paschal, Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, Jordan Mulata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Suamala, Lane Johnson, Ian Book, Gardner Minshew, and last but not least, Jalen Hurts. Thank you to each and every single one of you guys. I would not be sitting here today if it wasn't for you. It's all about the players, and it'll always be about the players. And I will be forever grateful for you guys, and I wish you guys all the best going forward. Hey, I like how much I like how much he cares. Well, I I I I, I thought he got fired, and he was thanking all the guys. So we do need to that, get him a tissue. He needs a blow. Right. <laughs> was distracted. Yeah, I was just I, I don't know, and I don't want to be overly like, because um, this isn't malicious. This is just me organically reacting to my initial exposure 
to him as the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. I didn't think I don't think he won the press conference. I don't think anybody walked out of that room. Oh my God, Jim Mercy hired the right guy. I just know if I am a Colts fan or a Colts backer, I care more about winning games in the press conference. And so if when all is said and done, he ends up gaining the trust of the guys in the room, that's all that's going to matter, right? And clearly, like, he cares very much about his players. You would believe in turn, at least on the Eagles side, a lot of those players that he thanked in the moment would probably feel the same way about him. I know Jalen Hurts has credited a lot of his success to what he did with Shane Steichen. And uh, the Eagles offense in two years under Steichen – 25.7 points per game, 5.8 yards per play, 153.6 yards per rush per game, and a 65% red zone touchdown percentage. Conversely, Indy, a team that has really struggled. And we went through some of the numbers yesterday, 17 points per game, 34 turnovers this year, allowed 60 sacks and had, what was it, the uh, 33% third down conversion, all of those bottom five in the NFL, largely because of the I mean, the quarterback ish problem, it's, it's been an issue. And we've said it a few times here on the show, but like since Andrew Luck, they have not been able to have success from that position really at all. And it's been extremely inconsistent. And so they're going to try to find that guy. And maybe Jim Mersey tipped his hand a little bit too early, making the, the little comment about that Alabama guy looking pretty good and Yes, it would obviously cost a good bit to move up from that number four spot in the draft to get a guy like Bryce Young. Um, if if I'm anybody else out there, I'm mad at Mr. Ursay for making that comment if that is something legitimately they were trying to do. Um, but you tell me. Uh, you're right. We won't know until there's actual games played. And um, that's the one thing about these hires. But I kind of got like a sixth sense. Like, I kind of know. And I always go back to this story, and I, I, I just – there's only 32 of these jobs. Like, I just don't know why some of these owners have a hard time finding somebody that's good at football and good with people. Somebody that can galvanize a fan base, that can be a man of the people and be a great head coach. Like, there are people that are charismatic, that know the game of football, that can do it all. And you have access to them all. I mean, they obviously have unlimited pockets, right? I can't tell you how many coaches fired. (laughs) The NFL has paid out so much in fired coaches' expenditures. They had a meeting last year with the owners towards the end of the season and said, this has got to stop because they keep hiring the wrong guy and they're firing him before these contracts up and they're having to pay them all to the end of the contract because they're guaranteed. So I hope this doesn't, like, fall into that trend but I'm probably gonna lean to the side that it probably does well and I know it's frustrating not only for you but a lot of us out there that see a guy like Eric Bieniemy who just won a second Super Bowl and are wondering how he's not in higher consideration for one of these jobs and even more than Eric Bieniemy look at the job Steve Wilkes did when he took over for Matt Rule for the Panthers how does Steve Wilkes go through this cycle and not end up with the head job what else do you want a person to do well, that's when they. I would imagine that if I'm David Tepper in that situation, I'm saying I wanted an offensive coach, so that's the reason that you go there. But even then, it's it's Frank Reich that you settle on. Like that's a little uninspired, if you ask me. And, and the only issue I had with although Frank, I do like the staff he's putting together, right. I do want to say that the and only, he won his press conference. He did. The only <laughs> issue I had with Frank Reich was he got fired in Indy because he couldn't get the quarterback position fixed. And what's Carolina's one glaring weakness? They haven't been able to get the quarterback position fixed. So where's the accountability in 
the process. But it is what it is. I wish all these guys great success. Hopefully they all win and Hopefully, Eric Bieniemy will get his shot at some time. Yeah, certainly hope so because he deserves it. I know you said you're you you know him. You've seen yeah, I've the seen way him that present. he carries. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, but again, the big news of the day that both Eagles coordinators out in Philadelphia, but because they have head coaching gigs now in Arizona and Indianapolis, Derek Carr also yesterday officially released from the Raiders. They are not paying that guaranteed money, $40.4 million. So the Derek Carr sweepstakes is on. I'm sure you'll hear plenty of that throughout the course of the day here on VEASAN. If you missed any of the show, all uh, three hours are available in podcast form anywhere you get your podcast. You can also also go to vcin.com slash podcast. Get Sean's reaction to all of the news of the day. That's it from us. Three hours that have just flown by. Good luck with your bets later on tonight. And again, keep track of Real Sean King on Twitter because he's going to post some of his plays in the NHL. Puckstradamus never fails. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.